anybody who's gone out bald with alopecia has at least once been assumed that we have cancer, right? And that's really hard because I often feel guilty because I don't, because people are often asking because they've had that experience of cancer and they want that shared experience. Getting the awareness out there of what alopecia is and that we have lost our hair, but it's not the same as cancer, that we have our own community and we have feelings and we have experiences and a difficult journey too. And it's important for people to know that and understand. This is Alopecia Life with your host, Deanne Graham. You'll hear interviews with specialists in their field and parents who are helping their child move through life while living with alopecia areata, along with conversations with alopecia rock stars who are making a difference. Alopecia Life is here to provide you with support, accurate information, inspiring stories, and life hacks to help you navigate the world of hair loss. Whether you've just been diagnosed or have had it for ages, Alopecia Life has been created to share all the information you may want or need to do alopecia your way. Welcome to this episode of Alopecia Life. Today's guest is Melissa Riley. For the last four years, Melissa has been the vice president of the Canadian Alopecia Areata Foundation. She shares about her experience with CANF, how they've adapted their support groups to be effective during the pandemic, and how they've also added something new and exciting that will be a great service to those living with alopecia in Canada. Melissa, welcome to Alopecia Life today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Awesome. And for listeners, they may hear us kind of going in and out of conversation because we had an interview last year right when the pandemic hit and you were planning the CANF event that happens every year. Let's talk a little bit about CANF and how that came to be. Sure. So the Canadian Alopecia Areata Foundation uh, was established back in 2009 And the whole idea came from a support group picnic in Toronto. And there were parents of children with alopecia who wanted to create a Canadian-based alopecia support organization. And CANF was born. Awesome. And you mentioned that it's been a slow progression, hasn't it? Yes. So Canada's widespread, a good population, but at the same time, we had mostly focused in the Toronto, Ontario area for many years and eventually started to branch out into other provinces. And now we have support groups in British Columbia. I'm in Nova Scotia. We have some in Alberta and uh, a few in Ontario as well. So now we're kind of coast to coast and we have quite a few people who are with us. Fantastic. And did you feel like the the model of CANAF kind of followed what NAF was doing in the States? So yes. So we wanted small support groups where local people could gather and know people in their own communities. As well, we wanted to have a national presence so that we could connect with people right across the country. And we started having a national conference, which really helped with that. And it's usually in the Toronto area every year, because that's where the most people are. And we can come together and have guest speakers, we can have, you know, a medical panel. And then every second year, we have a more family focused, fun, social kind of get together at a resort, or 
park, like somewhere fun that families can spend more time together. Mm-hmm. And last year, that was the year that was supposed to be the fun amusement park, park year, right? It was supposed to be a lot of fun. <laughs> but COVID happened. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we had to change our directive. And I think we've risen to the occasion and we've moved completely online. Mm-hmm. And for the first time back in the fall, we held a national support group meeting. And we have different groups within that, one for parents of children with alopecia, one for parents of teens with alopecia, and then we have adults with alopecia in there as well. And it was a lot of fun. We had a great turnout and met all kinds of new faces and people who couldn't necessarily get to our conference or didn't have a local support group, but all of a sudden they had people right across the country that they could meet with. That's awesome. Yeah. I can see that that might be something that people take into the future years, right? When we're doing conferences like this, because there's always people who can't be reached. Having it be live and having people come in that way would be a really nice way to reach those folks. Definitely. And we were also able to start a speaker series over COVID. So we've invited guests to come in to speak on topics. We've had a dermatologist. We've had someone specifically speaking about alopecia in children. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had a Canadian Rugby 7 player named Olivia Apps, and she was talking to us about her journey with alopecia. We've had updates on research, all kinds of different guest speakers come in and speak, and it's been lovely. That's incredible. That's great. Like you said, rise to the occasion. You got to do it. So have to adapt. Totally. Yeah. And and things that we wouldn't normally have even thought about, right? Or that, you know, you put all your energy into the big conference every year and you just don't have energy for these other things that are out there. And now it's like, well, we've got time on our hands right now at home. So let's figure it out. Exactly. And some people might not necessarily be comfortable yet doing face-to-face, mm-hmm. even without COVID. Mm-hmm. And, you know, doing a Zoom meeting and an online forum gives them the chance to be there, but be a little more anonymous as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I would love to have you share your personal story with alopecia with listeners today. For sure. So I was first diagnosed with alopecia when I was eight. And it started with my eyebrows and my eyelashes. And eventually it progressed to some small spots on my head. And by the time I was a teenager, I had more bald patches than I had hair. But I didn't wear a wig. I went through school just with the straggly bits that were there. And around 13, 14 years old, I had a biopsy done and it was uh, discovered that I had scarring alopecia. So it was very unlikely that my hair would ever grow back. So that was a big, you know, punch to the gut and Mm -hmm. uh, figure out where to go from there, but kept going. And when I graduated from high school, I was having a hard time getting a job. So we decided that I was going to shave my head and get my first wig. Had no problem getting a job after that. And went on wearing a wig until I was about 34. I developed a latex allergy and Mm -hmm. most wigs contain latex and all of a sudden I couldn't wear it anymore. So that was another wow moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I started with scarves and hats and was kind of shy, you know, didn't really want to talk about it, but that's just the way it was. And I went to my first CANAF conference 
the summer after I stopped wearing my wig. And for the first time, I was in a room with a whole bunch of people that were bald just like me. And it was incredibly inspiring and gave me confidence and self-esteem. And when I got home from that conference, I took my kids out for the very first time without a head covering on. And we went to the bookstore and it was amazing. And I've been going around bald ever since. And I have no desire to ever put a wig on again. It's been so freeing and amazing. Fantastic. I love that. I know we talked about this last year where we we talked about, do you think that you would have stopped wearing a wig if you didn't develop a latex allergy? I guess it's the combination, right? It's the latex allergy right. and, and the exposure to folks who look like you and understood. Exactly. And you know, at the same time, I've had people ask me before, you know, if you had the chance to have all your hair back, would you? And I don't think I would because every step along this alopecia journey has made me who I am. Mm -hmm. And I used to be a very introverted, quiet, shy person. And when I stopped wearing that wig, I don't know if it, it just took that all away. And now I talk to people all the time. I'm very outgoing. You know, I don't mind being in a crowd anymore. Whereas before I was very reserved. So I like the direction that it's taken me since I stopped wearing a wig. And I don't think I'd want to go back. That's great. And now one of your children has alopecia as well, right? Yes. My youngest son, Jacob, he was five when he got his first spot. Coincidentally, just a few months after I had to give up wearing a wig. We were on a trip to Disney World in Florida and he got out of the pool and I noticed this funny spot on the back of his head and sure enough, he had alopecia. He went to see a dermatologist, progressively lost a lot of hair over the next few months and then it came back and then it fell out again and then it came back. And for the past year and a half, he's had a full head of hair. But to him, it was nothing. He was just like, oh yeah, So I look like mom, Mm -hmm. no big deal. Like he was totally confident, walked out, didn't bother him a smidge. Yeah. Having your mom as an example and you're owning it, right? I mean, he was able to really witness that happening. That's awesome. And I was able to go into a school and talk to kids about it. And I had been volunteering in his school for years anyways. So they knew me and knew my journey. And so it was just kind of, oh yeah, so it's Jacob too. It's no big deal. And He's never been picked on or anything about it. That's great. What do you see kind of going forward um, with CANF? What would you like to see happen and expand upon over the next, let's say, five years? Well, we have a plan and uh, we're hoping to get support groups going in every province and hopefully the territories as well. We've been working on getting our mentorship program off the ground. We have a bunch of mentors who've signed up already, and we're just waiting for the mentees to come along. And we have a new initiative we've been working on with a wig lending library that should be off the ground soon. And we'll give people a chance who might not necessarily know what they want in a wig or what it looks like, especially where we can't be out shopping as much. Um, so they can try different wigs from our library and see if there's anything that appeals to them and just getting back together. I didn't realize how much I miss seeing people. Mm -hmm. And so obviously this summer, 2021, the conference isn't going to happen in person either. 
So we're aiming for July of 2022 to be back together for the first time in a few years. And so that's really exciting and gives us something to look forward to. I love the idea of the wig lending library. That's very cool. So are you getting wigs that are donated or are they brand new and then they'll, they'll stretch out if somebody tries it on and then it comes back and then how, how is that going to work for, I guess, for hygiene too, right? I know you guys have thought about all this stuff. Right. So we have some that are donated that have been worn and some that are new. And um, so we have a couple of salons on board that are taking care of maybe giving them a little trim, making sure they're cleaned properly before they're passed on to somebody else. And then because of COVID, they will be isolated in their bag and box for a certain number of days before they get mailed out to the person who's requested them. We've had some pictures taken of them, different angles inside, you know, outside, so that people can see exactly what they might look like with some measurements if possible. And they can try it and, you know, use it. When it comes back to us, it will again be isolated and then it will be professionally cleaned before it goes back out to the next person. That's awesome. That's yeah. really exciting to think about because yeah, like you said, and and some people are really remote, right? They can't even right. get get into a wig shop or or there's just not something available for them. It's definitely a good way to start. I know the first time that I bought a wig online, you take your measurements and you look at pictures, but you don't mm-hmm. necessarily you're taking a chance, right? right. And wigs can be expensive right. and they're not returnable to a shop because of hygiene. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so with us being able to have them cleaned and, you know, taking them on a temporary basis, it gives people an option to try out something they might not pick in a catalog or online. Right. And now if people are listening and they're like, oh, I have five wigs that I'm not wearing anymore. They just didn't fit right. Is that something that you would take? Like we can, we can give them an address that they can send to, or do they need to contact someone through the website? So definitely. So they can go to canaf.org, C-A-N-A-A-F.org, and there'll be more information there soon about the library and how you can donate and how you can borrow from it. Awesome. That's very unique. I love it. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for that. I'm not a wig wearer, (laughs) but I know that everybody else will appreciate this who does wear wigs. So fantastic. And going forward, what would you like to see change for folks in the world, I guess, who are living with alopecia, you know, the future for your son, you talked about the difficulties of getting a job when you were a teenager and that that shifted and changed when you wore a wig and that it wasn't a question anymore. It was more like, oh, she's, she's skilled at this or, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're teenagers. We don't have a lot of skills (laughs) at that point. So, but, but it definitely became less of a distraction, right? When you were interviewing. Definitely. I mean, when I was around with, you know, the scraggly bits and the bald spots, It was hard for people not to look at that instead of looking me in the eye. So by putting on that wig, it took that focus away. And people still stare at me a lot because I go bald. So it's really important, I think, to get the awareness out there, to let people know what alopecia is. I mean, anybody who's gone out bald with alopecia has at least once been assumed that we have cancer, right? Mm -hmm. And that's really hard because I often feel guilty because I don't, because people are often asking because they've had that experience of cancer and they want that shared mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. So getting the awareness out there of what alopecia is and that we have lost our hair, but it's not the same as cancer, mm-hmm. that we have our own community 
and we have feelings and we have, you know, experiences and a difficult journey too. And it's important for people to know that and understand. And I think we can all work harder to get more information and more awareness out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And how old is your son now, Jacob? He's almost 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. and has he been at home then during the pandemic or has he been in school? So in Nova Scotia, we only had school close for three months last year from March until June. Mm-hmm. And then they were off for summer vacation. So he's been in school full time since September. He had all his hair back last year. Yeah. When he went back to school. Mm-hmm. And so he's at middle school now. So he hasn't really had a loss cycle while at middle school. Most of his loss cycles were when he was in elementary school. It's cool that he's, he's like, whatever happens, right? That's the fun part of alopecia is you <laughs> just never know. <laughs> it's all a mystery. It is. Yeah, that's great that he's handling it well. I'm sure he's had to put up with questions too, right? I mean, coming back, oh, your hair's all grown back. Oh, your hair's falling out. And he's had a great group of friends that he's been with right through school. And so they know him and they know his story and they all take care of each other, you know, Mm -hmm. and they can all answer questions about his alopecia if somebody asked them instead of Jacob. So it's Mm -hmm. good. That is awesome. That's fantastic. Now, if folks are looking to be part of the online conference this year, so the link is canapp.org, right? And, And they can go there and sign up. Then also for the Wig Lending Library, they can go there as well. And so you said um, July 2022 for the next in-person one. But this Mm. year, is it, you said summertime again for the online conference? So it's not an online conference per se. So we're going to continue with our speaker series and our support groups. And we found that because we're all a volunteer board, and volunteer support group leaders, volunteer mentors, we only have one part-time paid administrative assistant. So because we all have jobs and families and lives, and CANF is a big focus for us, but we can't give Mm -hmm. the amount of time it would take to organize an online conference. So last year, the speaker series and our online support groups went really well. And so we're going to continue with that this summer. I run a kids support group once a month throughout the whole year and stay connected with the little kids. They change so quickly. (laughs) And uh, we have a great little group. We're actually meeting on Saturday this week and uh, we always have a good time. So that's the format we're going to continue with for this year. And uh, then we'll go back to our in-person. We've got the room reserved, everything they've kept it for us over the past couple of summers. So we'll have a medical panel and we'll have in-person support groups, hopefully and more of a formal type of conference in Mm -hmm. 2022. Fantastic. And I'll put all of that in the show notes for people who are looking for that. Is there any other way to reach you personally? Do people have any questions for you directly? Yeah, so I have an email. It's melissa at canaf.org. Great, and I will also include that. Thank you. You bet. And I just want to thank you for being with me today on Alopecia Life and sharing the story of CANAF. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to get to talk to you and get the information out there and I'm looking forward to sharing it with everyone. Thank you for sharing your time with us today on Alopecia Life. 
For more information about Canna or how to find out more about their wig library, please reach out to them. All that contact information is here in the show notes. Over the last several months, as the podcast has grown, I've had listeners ask how they can help out. Buy Me a Coffee is a fun and easy way to support creators. If you would like to cheer me on and find value in the content provided here on the podcast, you can find the link to Buy Me a Coffee for a day, a month, or even a year. Coffee will take on many forms. I will definitely treat myself, but with your help, I can also take care of podcast hosting, calendar booking, Zoom hosting, and all that goes into running a successful podcast. As always, thank you for your support. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. Join our Alopecia Life Facebook group and find out more information at headonlifecoaching.com. The information on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment and is meant for general information purposes only. If you're enjoying these episodes and finding the tips helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to and download podcasts.